My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Lily about her variety of health conditions, including Stickler syndrome, a connective tissue disease, and the fact that she is legally blind. Lily's eyes are focused in two different directions at the same time. She describes it as having a panoramic view with a blind spot in the middle. So her brain is constantly interpreting two different images. She also has surgically implanted artificial lenses in her eyes. Vision problems like Lily's often occur in people who have Stickler syndrome. According to rarediseases.org, Stickler syndrome refers to a group of disorders of connective tissue. Connective tissue, which is distributed throughout the body, can affect multiple organ systems. The specific symptoms present in Stickler syndrome often vary greatly from one individual to another. Affected individuals may not have all of the symptoms. The eyes, ears, skeleton, and joints are most often affected. Affected individuals may also have distinctive facial features and palate abnormalities. And speaking of palate abnormalities, Lily has actually had two pharyngeal flap reconstruction surgeries. This was required because the part of her throat that opens and closes to help make letter sounds or swallow food and drink wasn't moving. She initially had this surgery in second grade and then went back a year later because the initial reconstruction cut too much into her airway. Lily has lived through a lot, a ton of surgeries, a ton of diagnoses, and even though we cover a lot in this podcast, I have a feeling we were just scratching the surface. Her attitude towards living with a self-described constellation of health issues was really interesting and really unique. As someone who's been dealing with health issues since she was born, when a new one arises, she seeks out accommodation if necessary and just keeps pushing forward. Lily's also a grad student who is researching the cultural mindsets and beliefs around disability and how it impacts infrastructure. So we got into some really interesting talks about ableism and society and the way things are and the way things could be. It's a super fun and incredibly interesting discussion. Uh, Great, great episode for you today. I'm thrilled to be featuring Lily's story on the show. We'll get to it in just a couple minutes. I'm very excited to say that we have a brand new $7 per month patron that has signed up to support this show. Uh, This person is asked to remain anonymous. It's actually two people, uh, family members of mine, and this was a birthday gift. My birthday's coming up in just a couple days, and these family members have been supporting the show since it first started, which has been so appreciated. And it always means so much to me when I get a notification for Patreon that someone new has signed up to financially support this show. So this means a ton. It is super, super appreciated. Thank you so much. If you are enjoying this show, if it is a part of your weekly ritual, I hope that you will consider signing up to support it on Patreon, patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. We have three tiers of support, the $2 per month supporter tier, the $7 per month patron tier, and the $25 per month producer tier. Each tier comes with different recognition and gifts, including Major Pain coasters made by my mom or a Major Pain tote bag, also made by my mom. They are beautiful. Uh, You can see pictures of them on Patreon. And speaking of recognition, I have to thank our Patreon producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia, who are doing so much to financially support this show, and it is incredibly appreciated. Thank you so much. 
We are still hovering at 29 ratings on Apple Podcasts, and I would love to see that hit 30. I would love to see new positive ratings and reviews come in on Apple Podcasts. That's always so appreciated, a great way to support the show. So if you have not done so, please do. And if you leave a review, I will read it on the show. If you have questions for myself or my guest, you can leave a comment on any episode of the show on the website, majorpainpodcast.com, or you can send me an email, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with the show on our social media platforms, TikTok and Instagram at majorpainpodcast, where I always tag our guests if you'd like to find a quick and easy way to connect with people who've been on the show. If you have been diagnosed with a chronic illness or disability and you are interested in participating in research studies and surveys and get paid for your time, check out Rare Patient Voice. We have a special affiliate link that can be used to sign up with Rare Patient Voice to support this podcast while you are signing up to participate in research studies and surveys. Participants are paid an average of $100 per hour for their time. That link is in the show notes of this episode, or you can go to rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast. As always, I'll remind you that my guest and I are not medical professionals. Please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this show without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we're going to jump into our fantastic, super fun episode with Lily about many of her health conditions, including being legally blind and Stickler syndrome. Lily, welcome to the podcast. Hi, uh, you you caught me mid snort, um, but you can keep that in. Um, that's pretty authentic. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Lily. I'm very uh, professional. Um, I'm yeah. I'm a big nerd. Whether that means fandom, sci-fi. I love Star Trek. I love video games. I'm also grad student so i love the more technical nerdy things too i research human development and culture so really anything that uh, lights up your brain i'm down to talk about awesome um, so cool yeah so you're a grad student what are you studying um human development culture and learning science which is a mouthful and people are like oh Cool. Uh, don't know what that is, but okay. Um, so I really describe it as anthropology meets um, cognitive science. So it's really um, asking the intersection between culture and mindset and how that impacts how we think, how mm. we interact with the world. So it's, it's multi-layered. Um, and I personally, once I get, because I'm a PhD student, so I'll do my own research in a few years. It's actually my first semester, so I have a ways to go. Wow. Um, I hope to research cultural mindsets and beliefs towards disability and how that influences infrastructure, social services, and self-efficacy levels for people with disabilities. Wow, that's mind blowing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that so actually I, that's so interesting because I, you know, I know you from TikTok where you make Star Trek content, and you you very much analyze, you know, 
how like what's happening on the shows and the way that people talk about it on the internet and stuff like that. Um, so that's so interesting to know that that you are kind of studying that cultural mindset and that that actually informs a lot about where you're coming from. Uh, that's super interesting. Yeah, I I say I love things but i can't like things casually <laughs> i i'm very much of a if i love something i will beat it down and i will say this is where you're wrong this is where you're right and that's how i engage with things i love yeah um, me too me too so, for sure yeah that's that's i guess that's where my mindset is and how i got into grad school so so interesting what video games are you into I'm a Nintendo fan. Me too. Um, so, okay, I, this can be a whole discussion, but um, <laughs> Nintendo is, its barrier to entry isn't very accessible, mm -hmm. but as far as, like, customization and real in-depth accessibility, it sucks, mm. and that's where you go to, like, um, uh, PlayStation. PlayStation is very good with accessibility, but the barrier to entry sucks. Mm. So it's, it's as someone who uh, my first um, I'm, I'm 23, so my first gaming system was Wii 2018. You know? That was obviously the most accessible console I could get, mm -hmm. and then I never really swapped over and so I like a lot of games and I find them easy to get into. But then I'm like, oh, it's just for fun. Like, and I, I'm like, if I really put in the, if I was able to, I would be like, yeah, we're going to uh, be competitive in Smash. But no, I, <laughs> I can't do that. Um, no. And then otherwise other than nintendo what keeps my interest right now is a game called genshin impact so oh sure yeah chinese role-playing game yeah totally i've definitely heard of that one um yeah and so we first spoke on your podcast the acting captain podcast which is a star trek podcast with a group of tiktok uh star trek people we call ourselves yes. trek talkers um mm. and you did a panel on uh, disability in Star Trek and invited me to participate in that, which was super exciting for me because I, I listened to your podcast and I was thrilled to be included. And now I've been doing these interviews with uh, a couple of people from the from that panel. I just interviewed uh, Claudia, which came out on this podcast last week. Uh, and now we're talking to you today, which is so exciting. So um, you, so I know that you are, you know, speaking out about disability awareness activism all sorts of things in your own uh you know content creation your own social media presence but i don't know much about your personal story and i'm really excited to hear that today so let's jump into that lily what is your major pain uh, yeah i i like a lot of people i think it's a constellation of different things mm. uh, if i had to put a label on it um i think the when people meet me and well, like the, the one that i always have to put first and foremost is that i'm legally blind um and i don't really have a name for what i have well i i have like high myopia um, stigmatism all of those little things but what pushed my vision over the edge 
is that I have double vision, but not in a way that crosses images. I have like my left eye, it faces all the way to the left, and then my right eye faces forward. So basically, I have a panoramic view with a gap with a blind spot in the middle. Mm. But what that means is I don't have, um, I, I am not focusing on the same thing. So it's as if I'm constantly, I'm constantly having to interpret twice the visual information as most people. And of course, it's lower quality. But it's just so much um, mental overload that that when that when my eye randomly swapped, <laughs> like literally one day I woke up and my left eye was pointed to the left. When that happened, it was just like really overwhelming. And even though I have acuity in that eye, it's basically doesn't matter because it's not giving me the information I need. So wow. that's what I put, that's what I put out first and foremost because yeah. that impacts most of my social interactions. Mm. And that's what mainly I get accommodations for, but I also have Stickler syndrome, which is a uh connective tissue disorder that affects um my breathing my heart rate and kind of um, some hypermobility. And then I have really bad OLS to the point where in school people thought I was having seizures because I would just like flail everywhere and it's all controllable. So I take, I actually do take seizure medicine, but I don't have seizures. Um, but that's something that I have episodes of. So that's, unless you know what to look out for, you don't really, that's all something you greeted with when you see me. I like my vision. Yeah, that last one you said it was called RLS? Restless leg syndrome. Oh, so a lot okay. of people yeah. have it. So yeah. a lot of people, they bounce their leg. Yeah. Um, that's RLS. But mine is so extreme that like, it would look like seizures or ticks, mm. and it, but it was all ass. It was just like really bad, um, and yeah, I it was just I couldn't control my movement. It was really bad when I was young. I would wake up, you know, from bed, and then my head would be in my feet position, and my feet would be in my head position, mm. just because I move around so much while you were sleeping. Yes. Wow. And uh, I got on medicine, and so, and when I get older, it's like it's only episodes now. I still move around a lot, but it's it's more episodic instead of consistent. Um, but really, I've learned. I think you can relate to this. It's not that the symptoms go away, it's that you learn how to navigate them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for your for your restless leg syndrome, is it just in your legs or is it like a full body? You just might, no, it's might start body. jerking uncontrollably yeah. at any moment. Yeah. 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 Yes. That I have a lot of experience with that as well. <laughs> not from the same condition, but you know, I, I, I 
I, I have episodes where my body jerks under uncontrollably. And um, that's something that for years I kind of was able to hide because, you know, that happens for me when I'm having a bad day, when I'm generally not going to be able to be a part of society. Um, and it wasn't until recently that I started kind of opening up to be okay having bad days in public, you know, getting a wheelchair and being able to travel on a bad day was huge for allowing that to even happen. Um, but it sounds like for you, it, it might just hit at any moment. You might be in class, you might be in public, and you might just have a, a, mm -hmm. a spasming fit where your body just starts jerking uncontrollably. What's that like when it happens in public? Um, so when I was younger, it was difficult. And like people hear all less and they're like, oh, my dad has it. I have it. And it's very, um, the, the, you know, the average person who experiences it is very moderate, you know, and mm. that's not to say that it's, it's not your experience with it is less valuable it's just different when i do it because um i have had instances where i accidentally like hit people and punch mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. because it's just like i the best way i can describe it is there are like worms underneath my skin mm -hmm. and like I'm not moving, it's they are in control. Mm -hmm. And so it's it was stigmatizing and I had to uh, go to the bathroom to take care of it. And mm. uh, like and it's you know painful too. It's not comfortable. So it's uh, I think it was challenging but like also with someone with a visual disability like since birth and something I never really cared about fitting in. Mm. So, and I, I think that's different for everyone. And like, but for me, like as long as it was doing well, like academically, or as long as like certain people liked me, I didn't care about others. So like, Hey, if my body, if I do this on accident, I don't really care. Wow, that's kind of a superpower to to not care what other people think. I mean, that's so so important. You know, it's something that I've spent years trying to develop, trying to care less about what other people think of me because it was causing me to, you know, spend so much time and effort and worry on trying to fit in when I didn't. Um, and when I finally let go of that and just said, hey, I just want to be myself. I don't care if I fit in. You know, I just want to be me. That was so freeing for me. But it sounds like you were kind of born with that. Well, I half of it is I just have a mind of my own. So, like, yeah. I do what I want. Um, as long as, you know, we all try to be good people. I don't want to be a bad person. But yeah. I, I just... That's one aspect of me. I'm like, this is what I want. I'm going to try it. Um, but the other half of me is I could never tell when people did or didn't like me. Mm. And um, that's why, like, me and my mom are like, well, I may have a baby on the spectrum. So, I mean, that's another aspect of it is I just couldn't gauge people. So why try, you know, mm. but, um, I, and this is something I have 
trouble with is am I on the spectrum or is it just blindisms? And do, do you know what blindisms are? No. So it's a kind of catch all for common traits blind people do. And sometimes it's it's habits we have, but sometimes it's kind of the challenges we have due to lack of vision. Like people don't realize of how much of communication is nonverbal. Mm. If you can't read people like making eye contact, or if you can't read their body language, you're missing out on seventy percent of social cues. Wow. So is that me not being able to read base level social cues? Or is it me not having that information? Wow, you fascinating. Know? So interesting. Absolutely. I have I have so many questions for you. Um I'm so I'm so curious about so much of what you've mentioned already. I'm gonna try to pick through it one question at a time here. Oh, and you can interrupt me anytime too. So <laughs> I try I very much try not to. Um but you mentioned a connective tissue disease. Did you say it was called um Stricklers. Stickler or Strickler? Oh, no, sir, stick, Stickler. Stickler, Stickler's syndrome. Yes. I have never heard of that. What is Stickler's syndrome? Yeah, so it's, your, your tissue isn't properly connected, so it causes hypermobility. Um, it can cause uh, different face formations. It can cause, um, I have a, also I'm a, a pharyngeal flap reconstruction, which is a part of your throat mm. that opens and closes. Wow. And you make different letter sounds. Oh, wow. Um, but also keeps you from, um, helps you swallow food and drink. And so mine wasn't moving. So because of the tissue disorder. Or we believe, because I've never really had genetic testing, but that's what the doctor thinks it is. But there's no cure for it. So it's like, at what point does the label matter? Mm -hmm. But I just have so many things that can be related to that. And they're like, you probably have this. I, I also have like the risk of renal detachment, which again, mm. is it, it has connected tissue and so it's all like these small things that kind of contribute to this possible diagnosis i did not answer your question but <laughs> well you, that's so interesting though my my dad actually had um retinal detachment so i'm very familiar with that um so th this sounds kind of similar to uh ehlers-danlos syndrome connective tissue disease is there any do you know if there's any similarity between uh, Stickler syndrome and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. We have a good friend Google. Let me see. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always, you know, I ask all these medical questions, um, and it's interesting because as patients, we only know what we've either been told or what we've researched ourselves, uh, and. It's it's so interesting how, you know, if, if a doctor tells you something about your disease, that's like what you take with you through your life. But then you might talk to a different doctor who tells you something totally different about your disease and it changes your own perception about yourself. It's That's something I've experienced along the way, you know, just, and, and as I talk to more and more people on this podcast, I find it so interesting 
you know, what people know about their diseases. I think that's a fascinating thing. Yeah. And again, that like syndrome, I don't have like high connection to because it just catch all for everything I have. Mm, okay. So it's, it's less of a, I identify with that community. It's less of a, I say I have it. But if I go on a podcast such as this, I'll say I have it because, you know, <laughs> the, the the demographic in that, you know, I, I have time to explain everything. Yeah, totally. It's not something I, I can read the, what's on Google <laughs> to you. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing it, though. It's it's uh, it's your story is amazing so far. I'm I'm, I'm thrilled to, to learn all these details. So interesting. Yeah, so it says Stickler Syndrome is a group of um, heterary conditions characterized by a distinctive facial appearance, eye abnormalities, hearing loss, and joint problems. These signs or symptoms vary widely according among affected individuals. Characteristic feature, uh, feature of Stickler Syndrome is somewhat flattened face appearance, mm. um, which... Uh, the doctor told me I have, which I was like, is that a backhanded uh, diagnosis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would never look at your face and say you have a flat face. You know, that's, yeah. that's so I, interesting. <laughs> if, if, if my profile, like, I can kind of see where they're mm. coming from. Interesting. Um, but, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 But also, I'm like, looking back now, I'm like, that has some bad racial undertones. Does it? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I can go all day about race and um, disability diagnoses, but I mm. guess we're not here for that. But I, I'm I'm curious. <laughs> tell me, tell me, absolutely. This is this oh, just, is a space just, to talk about these types of things. Just the the different rates of diagnoses according to what the DSM labels it as, and mm. whether that it means that because the sample of individuals who did have it were mainly white and that's who the, what the DSM um, looks for in individuals regardless of cultural uh, cultural differences or on the flip side sometimes non-white people or people of color are heavily diagnosed with some syndromes because the, the syndrome is an approximation of whiteness. So wow, yes, to, totally. It's to say this is what you're supposed to be, and that if you're not that, you are, are have to be different somehow. Yeah, and th that's 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 putting it simply. Of course, that's not saying that these syndromes don't exist. But that diagnoses are biased in one way or the other. That totally makes sense. Yeah, when the textbooks are written from the point of view of, you know, this is what a normal white man's body, you know, mm. does. <laughs> and it doesn't take into account, you know, the totality of, of human experience. It, it will be biased. Yes, and, yes. and it's not necessarily an intentional bias. It's like a bias of oversight. But it is still a bias that has negative repercussions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So, Stickler syndrome. This is so interesting. So, 
it's you're you're talking about it as if it's sort of a catch-all for a lot of things that you experience. You mentioned that, and it, again, I don't have a formal diagnosis. It's hmm. in that they didn't do they didn't do genetic testing on me. They just said you most likely have this. Um, yeah, that was my next question. So there is a genetic test to do, and it sounds like. Yes, and uh, this was all when I was a kid, because they don't have a cure for the syndrome. There's not really anything to be done about it except tackle the symptoms. So it's asking, what benefit do I get from having that formal genetic testing other than doing what I already do, which is mm. treat the symptoms, treat these um, specific other disabilities I have named and I have for sure. Yeah, interesting. I, I just had full genetic testing done recently to try to pinpoint the cause of my mystery illness. So, and you know, when we did the genetic testing, I was wondering about some sort of connective tissue disorder because I've learned so much about EDS, um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome from doing this podcast. And it's a, you know, a disease that is being much more commonly diagnosed these days. So a lot of people are discovering that they have it. And I was wondering if I might have it. And I talked to my doctor and said, hey, you know, I want to do genetic testing. I'd like to find out if I have EDS. And her response was, you know, well, there isn't really any reason to do that, you know, because if you if you have it, there is no treatment for it. So you have to live with it either way. So why spend the money on the test? And for me, my point of view is like, I have no idea what my what's causing my symptoms. If I can get a name to put to it, even if there's no treatment, I need that name. I want to know. I want to know what's happening in my body. Do you ever have that feeling about this um, Stickler syndrome? Like you want to know oh, for sure? Not really, because I'm names for my other, for my symptoms. Hmm. So Stickler's is like an umbrella, but I still have very nuanced and uh, categorical disabilities under mm. that it's not just pain or illness it's high myopia it's an incorrect pharyngeal flap that needed reconstruction it's mm. very specific things that i get that closure from yeah interesting you have plenty of names you don't need more you got you got plenty of names when, when did you have this um, pharyngeal flap reconstruction surgery? I was, I had to, I, I want to say eight or seven for the first one. I was in second grade. And then when they reconstructed it, it cut too much into my airways. So I was having trouble breathing. So they went back and they had to shave off part of it. So I think that happened about a year or a year and a half later. Wow. So I was kind of young. Yeah, totally. I want to ask some more questions about your, um, your vision situation. So if I'm understanding this right, your eyes are, are looking in different directions. You're getting visual information from both eyes, but it does not match up. It is not focused the way that... Like my, my vision, both eyes are looking in one direction. I can focus on it one thing. Um, but you're getting information from multiple directions at once. So it's almost yeah. as if you, instead of watching one television, it's like your eyes are pointed at two different TVs at the same time. And you're watching two different channels at once. And your brain it's, is having to incorporate that information. And, exactly. th and there's a blind spot in the middle. 
Oh, so uh, the way I explain it is imagine a panoramic photo, but instead of photo, it's like a VR. It's like a VR experience, right? But it, you know, your view is like a is panoramic, and then you take out the middle, mm-hmm. right? So it's you have the far right and the far left. Yeah, and then you have to walk through that picture. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, so when when I walk, it's like I'm getting the forward information from my right eye. Like that's walking normal. It's uh, it's uh, mono optic, but it's still normal for me. But the left eye, it's all like looking out a car window. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting both of those images at the same time. And then uh, on top of that. My right eye is um, 20 over 200, so it's still legally blind, and my left eye is 20 over 400, which is very legally blind, but it's that um, compounded information my brain has to process that really pushed me over the edge, and I take migraine medication for that because wow. it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so pushed you over the edges and just headaches? Um, as far as being able to live life as visually impaired in lieu of legally blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 20 over 200 and 20 over 400, is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And remind me what those, I don't even know what those numbers mean. I know 2020 is normal vision, but I, so, I, I have no concept of what those numbers mean. So twenty over two. So twenty twenty means the average person. If you look at something from twenty feet away and it's crisp and it's clear, and you're twenty twenty, you also see that object from twenty feet away as crisp and clear. Twenty over two hundred. It means if I'm standing twenty feet away and the object is crisp and clear visually, it's the same acuity. I'm seeing it the same way as someone standing 200 feet away from that object. Hmm. And what is the, how does that translate into what you're seeing? I know that's a tough question because you only have your own eyes. (laughs) Well, it's high myopia, so it's nearsightedness. Okay, so you can see things uh, clearer, closer, and things get blurrier far away? Generally, yes, but... Here's the tricky part, is that's generally how my vision is, but I have artificial lenses in my eye, so my lenses in my eyes are plastic. Not contacts, but they're surgically implanted in my, you know? Because I I, I had cataracts, so they had to take out those. Um, But they adjusted those lenses so that they're far-sighted. So they're supposed to compensate for uh-huh. each other. Uh-huh. But what happens now is half of the time I'm nearsighted and half of the time I'm farsighted. And why, why is that happening? Because my diagnosis is, uh, is nearsighted, but my lenses and my eyes are, spo- like, are supposed to compensate by the curvature of them are supposed to make it so... 
they balance each other, balance out my nearsightedness. But it's in a way that makes me farsighted in some instances. So so when they did this surgery, they implanted artificial lenses in your eyes. And instead of balancing it out, it's giving you the experience of sometimes nearsighted and sometimes farsighted. Yes, and it depends on, just depends on the day, really. Like, what, wow. What, <laughs> the, but I, I, I think that's a common thing for people with disabl- uh, visual disabilities is our acuity really depends on the day. Interesting. I mean, I guess it's the same with chronic pain. Uh, yeah, totally. So Absolutely. It depends on the day. So Fascinating. a lot of times, like, I do have chronic pain i guess but it's secondary to my vision Mm. um but there are a lot of times where my visual acuity is good for a certain day but i still have to mask which is a term we use mainly for autism but i think applies to all disabilities sometimes my visual acuity isn't good on a certain day but i have to mask so that I get the same accommodations, the same perception from people, and I act in a way that my vision is worse that day, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Speaking of accommodation, what uh, what are the tools that you use in your daily life? Uh, depends what I'm doing. Yeah. That's always the thing. Give me a list. What are the things you keep around? Uh, I always use my cane. I uh, love my cane. My friend from freshman year of college made fun of me because she's like, oh, you're such an iPad kid. I always carry around my iPad. Um, but it's like the most accessible um, device I have. It has text-to-speech. It has all these features. And I don't like my computer because I can't get close to it without... Uh, impeding on typing so the tablet makes up for that by mm-hmm. having the, the the keyboard on the screen so I can be as close as I want and then a lot of what I use is just computer programs all of that which I don't think makes sense for most people <laughs> unless you you know that space a lot of a lot of text-to-speech programs a lot of contrast programs um yeah (laughs) yeah and then you mentioned uh playing video games and accessibility how playstation has better accessibility what are the gaming accessibility features that that help so again i don't have a playstation maybe if (laughs) maybe we can send this to to sony and (laughs) no i'm joking um I don't have a PlayStation, so on my Switch, I love that there's a Zoom feature. Mm-hmm. I um, I always have that on, and it's like I'm only looking at what twenty five percent of the screen. But like, there's some things that people are like. Oh, that that quality of life is quality of life, meaning in the game or how you play the game is really bad. But I'm like. I'm so used to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's these small little uh, sacrifices you have to make. Um, there's characters I play in like role play games where people say, 
they're really bad character. They have really bad stats and really bad kids. And I'm like, but they have auto aim. <laughs> <laughs> but I can actually, I I don't miss enemies when I play them. So I don't, I will invest my time into them. So don't worry. So it's very, um, it's really having the confidence and the, and the patience to really know your limits and then, and then enjoy what you can get out of the game mm-hmm. uh, and and having the creativity to make the game your own <laughs> make the game uh whatever trying to say you have to go beyond just playing the game and you have to kind of be a co-developer in your mm. own game um but again those games were great accessibility i just don't have access to them so yeah yeah that's so interesting instead of playing the game the way the developer intended you find the way that is fun and works for you and that's how you play exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, see you put it beautifully yeah i love that and i you know i love games like that like uh games that allow for that you know, Breath of the Wild is a great one. You can I play like that. Breath of, yeah. Yeah. You can play that game any way you want. Stardew Valley, yeah. you know, uh, those like Animal Crossing, those sort of like lifestyle yeah. sim games. Exactly. Yeah. You've listed some of my faves. And then the new games that I'm like, I know I'll be bad at, but that's why it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I love rhythm games. Mm. Like, uh, that's probably the the category of games I played the longest, and I, my my mother actually condoned me, like like she would let me stay up to play rhythm games because she thought I was strengthening my eyes, hmm. and, and so it's it's uh, and I I've gotten good at them, but it's all memory based at this point, hmm. so it's it's very much of a you know, games they know I'm not good at, but th- that's why they're fine. <laughs> and now I'm not going to play any Dark Souls games. <laughs> yeah, even I'm a, I'm a big gamer. Even I don't touch Dark Souls. Um, but for me, it's it's more about like, I'm very careful about what environment I play in. I want to mm. play in something that's, I love, that's why I love Nintendo. You know, bright, shiny, fun, or like relaxing games. And I do, I do love Warframe, but it's very like sci-fi themed, which I'm all about. You get your own spaceship that you get to decorate, and that's enough for me. Fine. Yeah, but yeah. So when you play video games, uh, I just from what you've talked about with your vision is, I'm, I'm guessing what's happening is that you have one eye on the the game, and then another eye giving you different information. Is that what's happening? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so I try to find a space where my left eye is facing a wall mm. or facing a very neutral setting. What's also annoying is I still need photo input from that left like light input for the left side or else um, my eye will drift. Like it has nothing to focus on. If uh, it doesn't, I was going to say, if that makes sense, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but so, so I, 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 I will shine like a lamp 
against the wall. So like I um uh, stays there. It's like, oh pretty lights. Let's just look at that for wow fascinating okay so if you to play games if you were to cover your eye your eye would drift um you you need something to focus on what what does that feel like when your eye drifts is that uncomfortable yes uh it it just i i also can't really move my eyes to begin with um because i don't use them in the same way as a lot of people do so they're mm. just unexercised muscles so mm. literally i will pull muscles in my eyes oh. so much and it's very painful yeah so i will try to avoid that as much as possible yeah totally absolutely it sounds to me like you have this lifetime of experience of of learning to understand your body and you live in a unique body with unique challenges and you've just found ways that work for you. You know, you found ways yeah. to do what you want to do in ways that work for you. And a lot of what I'm saying, I, I know is like, Oh, but you said the opposite five minutes ago. And that's <laughs> how it works. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's contradictory, but it's something you get used to. Like I'm both photosensitive and have photophilia. I like I'm lucky on my lamp right now because I'm just drawn to it. But I'm very photosensitive. Hmm. And photophilia that is that a, a love of light? Yeah. A love of light. Oh, that's a great word. Yeah. I haven't heard that and, before. And, and that that goes back to those blindisms, you know, with is it blindisms or is it autism? Am I being um, overstimulated or understimulated? Or do I just like looking at lights? Do I just like touching different textiles because I don't have that visual stimulus for my eyes? So my body is compensating in different ways because our brains need stimulus. Is that because of my disability or is that because of autism, you know? Mm, yeah. Oh man, that's so it's so interesting. You, you have to become your own expert on yourself. And it's, yeah. it sounds like you kind of study yourself almost oh, sort of oh, like scientifically. Yeah. Um oh, and yeah, it's very much a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I relate to this. I totally relate to this like if, you know, very different situations, but um when my body doesn't work right, I try to find the cause always. And I'm always like backtracking through what did I do, you know, like, did I trigger this? What, what was I thinking about? You know, and it, it gets a little maddening sometimes trying to understand myself because doctors have not been much of a help. <laughs> I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, my body is just weird. And then I stop there. <laughs> that's the end of the, that's the end of the thought process. Like, uh, my friends are so mad at me. They're like, this did not happen. What did you do? I twisted my ankle just from standing up. <laughs> and like, that did not happen. I'm like, yes, it did. Yeah, I mean, with connective like, tissue disorders, yeah, that's exactly, absolutely exactly. a hazard. Yeah, so like, um, and at that point, it was just like, my body's weird. It's going to happen. Yeah. It sounds like you have accepted what your body is going through. Mm-hmm. And you've you've moved past the point of you know being frustrated or or you know and any of those negative feelings and you've moved into acceptance 
Was there a period of frustration when you were younger? Um, not really, because when I was born, I was legally blind. And then with surgeries, I became visually impaired. Hmm. And at 14, when my eyes shifted, I became legally blind again. And my parents thought I was depressed. But I'm like, I didn't have like good vision to begin with. I didn't really lose anything. So like, I never really felt that tragedy. And that's why now I'm trying to empathize with people who feel stigmatized with the term disability or don't come to terms with that because that was always a comfort term for me. That was always such a part of my identity, a part of my acceptance that sometimes I feel validated with people don't validate that about themselves but i'm slowly learning that we all have our own journeys mm. and that i you gotta meet people where they're at yeah there is no right or wrong answer and some people feel so so much frustration when something in their body changes and it can take years to process through that and find any sort of acceptance and it sounds like for you when you were 14, this massive change happened in your eyesight and you were able to move through that into acceptance like remarkably quickly. And that, you know, that's incredible. That's amazing. Well, I, my first surgery was when I was six months old. So it's like hmm. I've had like eight, nine major surgeries. So it's something I've always been forced to be accustomed to. So sure, it's, it's, sure. it's, it was nothing I had to get used to. Exactly. It was just me. Exactly. That's just who you've always been. It's so interesting talking about the um, specifications of legally blind versus visually impaired. And, you know, I, I follow another um, blind creator on TikTok who talks about this as well. Um, you know, a lot of people who are legally blind can see some things you know have some form of vision and there's this huge misconception out there that when you are legally blind you see just blackness and that is not the case for everyone who is legally blind um so it's interesting hearing you talk about this distinction between your different periods where you went through both categories um, is this something that when you talk about it in public when you talk about being legally blind and then talk about playing video games do you get pushback from people about that, even though it is very much a thing that is real? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, mostly on TikTok. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, yeah, it's very much of a gotcha when people comment. <laughs> I like gotcha. You're not proving anyone anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's it's. And even the fact that I post on TikTok, people are like, but how do you do that? I'm like, my family does video editing. What do you mean? It's something I grew up with. Like, mm. And the fact that there's tools for that. I have programs that like sometimes I can't hear you because my, my computer is announcing notifications to me. So it's it's something that people think they know, but yeah. they don't. Yes. And, but 
I have other friends, like one of my friends went to school for game design and like one of her project games she made she made sure it was accessible, you know? Like I have other friends who I'll get on Discord with and they're like and they can't see, so we're just gonna describe everything and have her run away from zombies. <laughs> um, <laughs> because she won't be able to kill anything. Uh, so I have people who really understand. But it's just like when you're in a space like TikTok, so sometimes you got to not that you have to, but sometimes you put in a position where you have to educate. Yeah. So I, I think that's a challenge. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's what disability advocacy, a huge part of it is educating the public about the fact that every person who has a disability has different needs. There is no blanket need for everyone. You know, it's all, it's all different. And there's, you know, there are some things that, you know, that, are, that, that carry across very widely. Like if, if someone is using a wheelchair, having a ramp is very helpful. Um, but some people in wheelchairs can hop over curbs and some people can't. So it, everyone's experience is different and allowing people to, you know, show up and tell you what their needs are and listen to them and believe them is so important. You know, that's the thing that I feel like is so lacking is, um, you know, people who are, you know, able-bodied saying, oh, well, this other person uh, is disabled and doesn't need that. So nobody who is disabled needs that. That is not the way it is. Oh, there's many instances where the accommodation needed by one community actively is harmful to another mm. disabled community. Yeah. Um, like if you have chronic pain, need a wheelchair, have mobility issues, you might benefit from parking close to a building yeah but that that means that it, that build that means that that section is not walkable anymore so if you're blind that might not be a good setting mm. so there's and this isn't to attack the community i'm not saying we should all agree on accommodations it's just just to show the myriad and mm -hmm. the contradictory nature of accessibility. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of people would look at those situations and just throw their hands up in frustration and say, well, we just can't make it work for everyone. And I, my, my philosophy is like, we just need to try our best. You know, we just need to keep trying and keep listening and keep the dialogue open and keep trying to make positive change. And yeah, we're never going to get it right, but we can keep chipping away at it and trying to get closer to something that is equitable. No, oh, I, I totally agree. Um, putting disabled people at the forefront of that. Yes. You know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. Have, yeah. Having disabled people be a part of the conversation, part of the planning, a part of the construction, you know, like asking questions uh, that's so important. Yeah, no, I, I'm all for that. Um, but the cynical part of me is saying people don't want to learn. And I think most people do want to learn. But I think there's such a normalcy in people making jokes about disability. Mm. Like uh, a few months ago on TikTok, everyone was making the Helen Keller joke, which mm. I've 
very complicated feelings with Helen Keller. But the the whole joke about oh she didn't exist, all this all these things. They people knew what they were doing, and I think it's it's bad. It's not helpful to say they didn't. So a lot of it is people defending ableism, but that's not everyone. But there definitely is that subsected people. Yeah, yeah, and ableism is so complicated because I feel like if you're born a certain way and you don't need accommodation. It might surprise you to find out what accommodations people need. And the assumption that people don't need something because you've never needed it is normal. You know, like that is a normal thing to believe if it's never come across your radar. But as you are educated, you need to adjust and change your beliefs. And so everyone, so, so many people have ableist thoughts. You know, it's not, it, it sounds like a dirty word, but in some ways it is normal. But the, the inability to change, the inability to listen, and when you like dig in on these things, that's when it becomes a dirty word in my mind. Like when you become ableist because you are willfully um, dispassionate towards the disabled community and don't care about making accommodations, like that's when you become ableist with a capital A. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I I think for me, just because ableism a lot of times comes from a place of ignorance or even fear doesn't mean it's right in a perfect yes. society i don't think that if people got their needs met and i i do have a complicated relationship with the social model of disability i think it's incomplete but if people did get their needs met and we viewed disability as neutral, then that is a social condition. So mm. to to measure oh ableism is noble, it's it's still built on ableist schemas. We can we can uh, um we can reform the individual or we can reform the schemas. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That's so well said. Yeah, I mean, just because something is a way now it does not mean that it is right or should continue. And I, I, I totally agree that the future, the ideal future would be one in which humanity changed the way that they think about normal. Yeah, no, I, and again, that goes back to my experience with disability. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's not to and validate other people who have longer journeys. But I feel like my perspective really shapes on how I see the endpoint of ableism. Mm. Yeah. And this is so interesting, especially talking to someone who is studying, you know, the way that society functions, you know, it's really interesting to hear your thoughts about this. Um, does, does any of your, any of your health situation, does any of this, uh, running your family is there a genetic component to this so i have my maternal grandmother had retinal pigmentosis rp but that didn't get passed on to me and none of my other conditions ever came up in my family 
Really? And even though I'm blind and my grandmother's blind, it's from two completely different things. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. And not, not the connective tissue disorder either. No. Wow. So if there's no, if there's no, there's no family history, but then you have all of these conditions. And then when you're 14, your eye suddenly shifts. Um, mm. Is the theory that that was due to your connective tissue disease? Is there any any theory about why that happened? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but there's no definite answer. And I mean, I, there's not even a name for what happened. Um, and at first, I'm like, I guess for me, it's not, I don't need closure. I just, it just interests me. Yeah. Probably scientific, but I, it's not an emotional thing for me. So it's like, it would be cool information to have, but I don't really care. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> That's my question. How do you do that? How do you, how do you view yourself and accept yourself, but not, you don't seem to have the emotional resentment, like the, the resentment or the anger or the frustration. Um, how do you do that? I mean, again, I was born thinking blind. I mean, I have a roller coaster of like, it got better, it got worse, it got, it got worse. But it's something I had to navigate from childhood. Um, and there was, as, like, the things that bothered me as a kid were very specific. Like, I used to have to wear an eye patch. And wearing an eye patch, that made me self-conscious. Mm. It wasn't my vision itself. It was wearing it. So it's these very nuanced things that, again, I think part of it is I can't tell what people do or don't like me. So it's like, why decode something that doesn't matter? Mm, yeah. So I, and again, I, I'm also very, I view everything objectively and I'm very like, I know what I'm thinking, like, even mental health-wise, I'm very articulate with what is going on, but I just feel detachment from it. So maybe that's a problem. Mm. Maybe you shouldn't ask me how, but, <laughs> um, no, but I, I think part of it is what I go through, it's going to be better for people like me. If they don't see that self-loathing, mm. that's not to say I have self-loathing, but it's, I always wanted to see a positive influence. Yeah. So I have to be that influence. Mm, interesting. It, did you ever go through a period that was harder emotionally? Is it something you've kind of gone up and when, down through? When I lost my vision, my parents thought I was depressed. Mm -hmm. And that them insisting I was depressed when I wasn't, and I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I don't know if you can curse. <laughs> it's okay, um, yeah. When I, when, when I didn't care, that made me second-guess myself. Mm. When I really didn't care and I was diagnosed with denial. So it's like, I, I guess that was the hardest part is the second guessing my mental health. 
Yeah, totally. It's totally fine with who I was. Yeah, that's that's so because yeah, so interesting. why wouldn't you be upset? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, being forced to second guess yourself is is a hard thing to wrap your head around. I mean, I've experienced that through medical gaslighting over and over, doctors telling me I was fine when the test results kept coming back normal. And it's like, but why can't I function? Like, what's going on, you know? Um, yeah, so. but it was, the op- it was the opposite. They were like, something's wrong with you. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, your attitude is amazing. And I, I, I admire it quite a bit. Um, well, I have one last question for you. You know, I know you experienced several different conditions, and I like to ask, you know, what, what you'd recommend for someone else going through something similar. Um, so, in your case, I mean, we can focus on, uh, you know, blindness or having multiple conditions, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with. What would you recommend to someone else experiencing anything similar to you? Um, well... Uh... I feel like it's a cop-out answer to say, don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> easier said than done. Easier said than done. Um, I, uh, if something actionable is choose one thing you need. Choose one thing you struggle with. Choose one thing you need and make that your accommodation a hill to die on. Mm. And then and then as you get comfortable with that, you'll be feel should feel more comfortable advocating for yourself in other ways. Wow, that's great advice. Pick one thing and fight for it until you get it. And like prove to yourself that you can get some accommodation made. And then, yes. and then maybe look towards the next thing if you, if you feel like doing so. Yes. Yeah, great advice. I'm really impressed with, you know, talking to you today and just hearing, hearing how you feel about your journey and what you've experienced. Cool. Also, just like fascinating details about what you've lived through. Um, and you just, you've got a great personality. You're so funny. You've made me laugh so many times. And, you know, you've got just a, an outlook that is so valuable to hear so i'm just thrilled that you came on the show today to share with us um before we wrap up please tell us where we can find you on social media on tiktok and all of those places yeah um on tiktok you can find me at 21st century girl um that no th on 21st so just 21st c 21st century girl um on on twitter Maybe do I want to share that? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll share. Um, you can find me at Lilium underscore Grace. That's at L I L I U M underscore Grace. And then I am one sixth of the co-host on the Acting Captain podcast. So if you like Star Trek, I advise listening. We don't review every episode. Um, we choose a topic and we discuss that topic using episodes or more or just our common thoughts about it. So that's the Acting Captain podcast where you can find, well, I guess, this podcast. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and I've been listening to Acting, Ca- Acting Captain. I can't wait until our episode about uh, disability in Star Trek comes out. Yeah, it, uh, we actually have not filmed the disability up yet. I think it's two more weeks and then okay. we're going to record that. But no, we were ahead of the game when we we were very excited to have y'all on. So we're like, well, let's just do it now. <laughs> Yeah, and I can tell you as a podcaster, being ahead of the game is the way to go. You don't want to, you don't want to roll around to the your release day and be like, I don't have an episode. Um, I try to do that as well for sure. But this this our conversation today might come out before that comes out. But when it does come out, I'll definitely let everyone who listens to this podcast know because Yay. it's very relevant for sure. <laughs> well, Lily, you did a fantastic job today. Thank you so much for your time. And for sharing so openly, it's uh, amazing to hear your story and to get to know you. Um, and I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpain podcast.